Jenna, welcome to the podcast. Spasiva. <laughs> you did this to me. Just you just did this to me a couple of minutes ago, and you started asking me in different languages. So we started with Spanish, and I said dos cervezas, and and you said, "Hey, Adam, yeah, you ordered two beers, right?" We yes. Did. What other languages do you speak? Eu falo português, não muito bem, mas falo, hablo espanhol perfectamente. Um, ich kann ein bisschen Deutsch sprechen, prata little gran svenska, and I know how to say thank you and I love you in a lot of different languages. My favorite is Bulgarian. I can say asem grasiva americanka, which is Bulgarian, and then blagodaria, which is how you say thank you in Bulgarian. My I don't know I, when that's going to come in handy for me, but it, it just did. I, I think you just blew away the the audience. So for those well, who are listening, if there's any if there's anybody who speaks Bulgarian, Blagodaria is just such a cool thing to say. It's so fun. <laughs> it is fun. Well, listen, I can't wait for this conversation. Well, I'm, I'm excited we're doing this. We are now in season three: the adoption of marketing mindset and the employee experience. For those who are listening in sequence, you probably just finished listening to an episode where we discuss segmentation of mm. your internal audiences. But today. Gina is going to take us down the path of the improving organizational health. But mm -hmm. I want to talk about how you reach the point of view that you currently have. I think yeah. your view of the market, the relationships you have with across so many really amazing organizations. I was listening to your mini TED talk. And uh, Jenna, I, I kind of feel like you you preach or, or you do what you preach. You show mm -hmm. up very authentically. So let's start there. How... Okay. Do you, how did you get to the point of view that you currently possess in terms of seeing the market and understanding the challenges that leaders have in organizations? Mm, okay. Well, first answer to that question is 20 years, 20 years of talking to leaders and being inside of organizations and watching them grow. And I have seen, you know, everyone's talking about digital transformation, but we don't talk about the human transformation that went along the digital transformation, which is yes. we have moved from, in my world, having a more a persona at work to being a person, a holistic human being at work. So there's not my work persona and my home persona. We want leaders have to show up as everything and employees want everything from their leaders. I can't tell you how many times in the last three years that I've heard, I need to show up more vulnerable. I need to be more empathetic. I mean, those words 15 years ago, no. I did not have any leaders telling me that they needed to bring more empathy and vulnerability into the workplace. Mm -mm. Well, at that time, we would say it's just business. It was just business. Don't take it personally. Right, that's right. Um, and, and maybe then we talked more about the work-life balance, although I think we still talk about it, just maybe in a different context. But, but there's something more about your point of view. I almost feel like in our discussions, you have an ear to the ground. It's like yeah. you're talking to uh, leaders, but not just leaders, leaders of organizations that are disrupting mm -hmm. the world. Yeah. And what's the sense that you're getting from them? Well, I absolutely love the position that I'm in and that I'm across a variety of industries. So it's looking at what's going on in tech, which has always been leading with regard to the human space and how do we develop humans? You know, you think of the Googles of the world, they're always on the forefront of what they want to see in human development. And then I'm across in retail, we're insurance, we're in financial services. And what 
you're hearing a lot from leaders today, and you mentioned organizational health in the beginning, is that employees are, especially this year with layoffs and recession, and we just came out of COVID and we didn't have any time to process that. No one has processed that. And so you have these humans that you are trying to lead and you're trying to get them to be productive and you're trying to get, I mean, a bottom line and return on that human investment. And they're not happy. Mm-hmm. They're really unhappy. Mm-hmm. And it's the leader's job to make them happy. <sighs> How? <laughs> How do you make these humans happy? How do you incorporate, how do you become everything for these humans? This person that's going to lead them through battle, the person that's going to help drive the company, but also really show that you care about them and that you're there for them, that you love them. I mean, I've heard that before. It's like, I have to love my employees. Really? When did that become a job? When did that become a job? When did that become, I mean, when did that become a job for a leader? And it is, it is. I don't know if every leader, can every leader do that? Reach a moment when they can show that they care and love the people that work for them? Well, that's when we start to get into that topic that I'm pretty passionate about, which is authenticity. Yeah, well, let's do it. Let's dive in. I think our first fireworks, and we've had many over the conversations leading up to today, you and I talked about, you know, this kumbaya, this is now what what it's about. We're we're not going to be able to create a little space to sing together and let's just get to business. Yeah. Authenticity is not enough to talk about it, but let's dive, dive in. Let's talk about authenticity. Yeah. Yeah, authenticity became a word that we started to hear a lot. And it's it's kind of when this transformation has taken place because between I don't, it's not just work, don't take mm-hmm. it personally to, oh, it is very personal. And it's this mm-hmm. human-centered, oh, you can come and have authentic workplaces and you can be your authentic self and you can bring your whole self to work. And so the pressure for us as leaders and for organizations to be able to embrace this authenticity concept is is a lot and it's too much and it's not realistic. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm so passionate about this right now and the fact that it's not realistic is what's going on with technology. Authenticity as as a what is authentic today? Like we used to say if you go if you go look it up and say when did authentic authenticity start to pop in our searches? And in the last seven years, it's become really a popular word for searches. But what are we looking for? Well, we think of something authentic, genuine. We think art. Well, even art is an authentic. I mean, there was recently a person who won an artist's award in Colorado, and it was an AI-generated photograph. I mean, Mm. what's real? Hmm. And yet we as humans come in and we're like, you must love me as my authentic self. No, I don't. It takes forever for me to really truly understand who you are and have that level of intimacy. But yet everybody's expecting that and they're expecting that very quickly. And technology is gonna render that obsolete because there is, you know, you might be talking to me right now, but you actually might not be (laughs) because the technology exists for me to create a version of myself that's gonna feel like me, but it isn't me. That freaks some people out. Oh, it's freaking me out a bit just to think about that possibility. It is really me, Adam, just so you know. But 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 it might not be. Do you really know it's me? Okay, stop. You're totally (laughs) freaking me out now. 
Um, so, so, so authenticity, but it, it's really a bridge. It's a bridge to a connection. It's a bridge yes. to relationships. It's just a bridge to so much more to humanity in, 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 in the workplace, because if we are not authentic, then what are we? What are we experiencing then? Well, we're experiencing some projection, some maybe, I don't want to say to use the word simulation. It's now all getting into matrix. It's right. You're like, oh, right. I know we are. So, so what is the, describe maybe the bar that you would set for leaders to, to pursue in, the, in, in, their, in their journey toward showing up in a way that's authentic, that shows that they care. How would you describe hmm. what it looks like? Hmm. So there's two, there's two things I'll talk about. One is what is, how, what does it look like and what's realistic? Mm-hmm. And then where they should be spending their time, because I think there's two things there, right? What it should look like and what's realistic. It is not possible for a leader of a 500 person, 5,000 person organization to make everyone in that organization feel seen and heard and to be authentically loved by everyone. Because I'm going to love some leaders. I'm like, I'm going to love you. And other people in their organization are not. They're going to be things that don't, that they don't connect with. But the leader has to throw away this idea of being one static, authentic persona, which in my work, it's hilarious because people show up and they're like, this is my leader persona and this is my work persona. And I have my Monday through Friday persona and I've got my presentation person. I mean, I've seen so many people who are sitting in meetings who are funny and engaging. And then you're like, Adam, it's your turn to go up there and tell us about your business. And then Adam shows up and Adam's like, I have to be this person. And that's not that's not who you really are. So you have to very strategically pick and choose the different parts of who you are for the various moments that your organization and your employees need you to be. So it's about looking at authentic selves rather than an authentic self. And a lot of people struggle with that. And I, I mean, it happens all the time where I'm like, well, tell me what you're like on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? No, just tell me, what, like, how would you have a conversation on the weekend? Like, how would you be talking to your friend? I'm not bringing that person to work. Well, why? Why wouldn't you bring that persona to work? Because that persona is somebody that people are going to be able to connect with. So it's about bringing the range of who you are into your leadership style and not just thinking that there's one right way to do it. And that range is based on what your employees need of you, not what you think is authentic. You actually took me back about a a year, a year and a half ago. I had some really challenging times at work. And uh, most of it was related to exactly what we're describing. I Hmm. didn't think the way I was showing up as me was enough. And I was trying to be something else. And it was creating just this you know, terrible loop, feedback loop of they, the folks I was talking to, who is this? I was like, who is this? But, but, but what else could I be? Really, really interesting conversation we're tapping into. And I think almost everyone who's listening can relate. Um, but let's talk about now what? And it's not just for the executives inside the organization. I think we would agree the role of the manager, mm-hmm. right? It, vast majority of the employee experience is defined by your direct manager. I mean, yeah. that's just, that's just a fact. I think it's 70%. 
maybe it's more, but ultimately you don't leave the organization in most cases, you leave the manager. Mm -hmm. I talk to those around me who are an enterprise. And when you say, how's work going? It's usually starts with like my manager or I can't wait. I can't wait. So <laughs> Jenna, w what do we do? What's their path? How do we take organizations that have many, many, many thousands of managers? Yeah. What's their pathway look like to, to, to evolve to, to what is needed? Yeah. Yeah. And I also just want to address, I'm sorry that that happened to you because that's tough, right? You have that second talk track constantly evaluating you in the moment, which is really, really hard. And what is, also, what is also hard is this role that these managers have been thrown into. It's like, oh, you're going to manage a team now. You're going to manage a team of 20 people. And by the way, in addition to setting the objectives and the OKRs for your organization and producing, you have to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, you also have to be a caregiver. You also have to be, and, and these managers are, wait a second, A, I wasn't hired for this job. B, I don't have the skill set to do this. And C, this thing that we haven't spent time talking about, but the way we manage people now is so different from we, how we managed people before. And, and organizations haven't evolved to that. Like I really, we have in sales, we have in sales. So we now go in and we say, customers know more than we do. So what do we bring? What's the value we bring in that conversation? We bring thought leadership, we bring consultative selling, whatever. But we haven't done that for managers and employees. M employees know more. They're bringing more to the conversation, but managers are still managing the way they used to manage, which is not working. So, and the other thing that's really hard is that you might have seven managers in a year. You know, we hear that a lot. Like I have, and they, that manager doesn't know me. That manager doesn't know anything about me. So here's the biggest thing that I would say about the manager-employee relationship is that the old way of managing is you come to me with a problem, Adam, and I tell you to go fix it. I tell you how to go fix it. I teach you how to go fix it. And you actually don't want that because you know what? You can use generative AI for that. <laughs> you can use ChatGPT. How do I fix this problem? It'll tell you. You want me to show you that I'm engaged in you as a human, that I care about your growth and development. So that means that I don't, I don't fix your problem. I stay in curiosity. I understand what you've already thought about. I think about all the solutions. I ask you if you want my advice, but I don't give you my advice. And that is hard. And that is a skill that a lot of managers just don't have. What you just described goes to what you, what you said earlier, which is a bit of a thought bomb that detonated uh, managers to be therapists. Like that's, that's like, whoa, I got here because of my technical expertise, maybe my IQ. And uh, no, I, I don't have any experience in doing that. Is there interest in doing that? And on top of that, you, you're now asking me to be that and, and a caregiver. Mm -hmm. do, do we think managers can evolve? Do should we rethink who becomes a manager? I mean, this mm. is a this is a profound, profound change. Should we change the bar? It's not about you learning the skill that you have in ABC that's been demonstrated, but now we're looking for next generation of those that possess an EQ 
that is going to be necessary to be managers. What do you think? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, why, why have been people been put into management positions in the past? Like I, I'm going to go into the sales world because I spend a lot of time there. You're a manager because you have sold a lot. Mm -hmm. And I'm putting you in, I'm putting you in charge of leading 25 people in my sales organization because you've sold a lot. Do you know how you've sold? Do you know what makes you good at selling? Do you know how to teach others in the skill? Because a lot of people who are really good at something don't know exactly what it is that they do to be good at what they're doing because they haven't been taught how to coach. And then they're in this situation where they're like, I don't know how to lead you. Watch me. And so these people are running around going, um, I have to become you. I have to become you, Adam, to be successful. And then we come back to this whole thing around authenticity, which was we started with a little bit ago, which is I am being told that being successful in this organization means I need to emulate this style of person rather than choosing my own path to get to where I am going to be successful. And, and I want to I want to talk more about a path to be more successful, especially when it comes to supporting managers who are already busy. But before we do that, I feel like we, we would be remiss not to just check in on the tension. When you become mm. someone's therapist as a manager, it, it feels like there's going to be tension between that and business and, and you know, not meeting results or pushing for tough timelines. I, 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 yes. I just feel like there was tension of, hey, I'm asking you to work the weekend to reach our common goal. But as a therapist, it's probably time away from the family. And how much pressure does that put on the manager to have both of those hats? And I'm just curious to check in. I almost feel like there's an episode there, there. Um, but, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on that natural tension? That is tough. Yeah. It's really tough. And without getting into real specifics um, for different organizations, it has a lot to do with how managers are measured. Mm -hmm. So across organizations, there are different ways that we measure performance and we reward experience and we reward managerial skills. But what are those managerial skills based on? So we talked at the start of this organizational health. So a lot of organizations have organizational health metrics that they're looking at. But what is that based on? So an employee says, I don't feel like I'm supported in my role. What is that based on? And then as a result, do I as a manager get dinged? because this person is not happy. So if I get dinged because this person isn't happy, how am I gonna change my behavior? Mm -hmm. I'm gonna try everything I can to make them happy, mm -hmm. which means I'm becoming a therapist and I'm not pushing them when they say, oh, you know, I've got too much going on right now because this happened at home and this happened at home and this happened at home, which is what they're all dealing with since COVID. And so they're, they are exhausted trying to be everything because of the way that it's structured. So that's got to change for sure. Well, we got to go there because you, you can't improve what you can't measure, right? Or you that's show right. me the incentives and I'll show you the behavior. So right. it sounds like what you're proposing and let's stick with the sales. You know, yeah. sales measures often are, are pretty uh, almost, uh, I wouldn't say sterly or, or unemotional. Like here's how much you got to close and it's either done or it's not done. Uh, and what you're proposing is let's have another complementary KPI, or maybe it's a KBI for years. I've talked about key behavior indicators. Yeah, I love that. 
do we go down the path of saying, okay, this is how we're going to measure organizational health by measuring the health of your specific team. And here's how you know, here's your new dashboard that is going to give you an insight into your performance on that front. Is that how you're seeing it? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. In fact, this is such a good idea that if Gong, if anyone from Gong is listening to this podcast, they're going to be like, oh, this is it. We got, we, got, we, we got to add this into our algorithm so that we're measuring that to be able to give managers a whole new metric to be rated on. Perfect. So then we go from, okay, we've got the metric, all right? We've got the data that we're measuring mm -hmm. and, and their performance. So now how do we orchestrate a way for them to evolve, to grow, to yeah. be able to be in a position to impact it while understanding they're smoked? Managers are busy. They're getting avalanche from the top, the bottom. They're called the, the frozen middle. All kinds of issues going on. How do we support them? And let's go wild, visionary. Jenna, what, yeah. where do we go for solutions to this problem? <laughs> uh, anyone on this podcast that has teenagers, I'm just going to go there, no, Adam. Let's no, take it. I'm just... no teenagers. <laughs> no teenagers? <laughs> no teenagers. Go there. We, at some point, you know, it's like I'm feeding you, I'm helping you get to school, I'm doing all this stuff for you, and then at some point you're like, well, pfft. Hopefully I did it all and now you're on your own. Mm -hmm. And I really hope you make good choices and I really hope you have good values and good luck in life. And it's almost like we absolutely need to be doing that as well. So the Khan Academy, which you know about, right? Like the, what is generative AI going to be doing and what is it, what is it going to be doing for the world of learning in the future? Mm -hmm. Well, we have the beauty now to be able to chart our own path. And when I get to chart my own path, I have agency. And I feel believed in and I'm 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 able to be the best version of myself because I don't have anybody telling me how I need to be like we were just talking about. I don't have to become you, Adam, because you're really good at sales. I get to be my own person and do it my own way and I get to choose my own destiny. And I've learned enough. And that's the thing is that everyone coming into these organizations has access to everything. Mm -hmm. They have all this information. So trust that they're going to be able to find anything and then you just have to guide them. You have to coach them along the journey and they pick and choose what they want. So in the same way that we have all of AI, you know, all of AI is just working to feed us really customized, tailored information. I mean, you go on any social media platform and it's like, oh, you looked at this skirt 17 times. Here it is. And it's on discount. Yep. That is what we need inside of organizations. You just had a meeting. And you asked three open-ended questions, but you didn't ask a question around closing. You didn't ask for the price. Boop, boop. Because I listened to your meeting, because of this, that, and the other, here is a data point around this. And here's a way that you learn. And I just coached you. Mm -hmm. I'm just coaching you in the moment that it happens for you to improve your behavior. Oh, and you want more? Here's some more um, resources for you. Here's some more classes that you can take. So a uh, warning for the audience that's listening, if you're uncomfortable with the concept of being augmented by AI, where Jenna is very comfortable and smoothly went there, we're about to go there further. So if that is discomforting for you, you may want to pause <laughs> listening because I am going to go there. And I'm also going to put aside a lot of concerns of what that's going to do to humanity. I am not ignorant or naive 
that there are going to be all kinds of issues that is going to come up. We're not talking about that today. In order for us to be productive and keep it under five hours, which we, we, we don't have, we're instead going to say, hey, are we basically saying how to augment managers with AI in order to guide them to increasing organizational health by supporting their, their teams? And it's almost like, you know, yes, standing up is important, but our phone says, hey, you've been sitting down for a while. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're right. I'm going to get right. up. So how, how far do we take this? And Jenna, are you already seeing that happening or are we truly kind of talking about this emerging market and, and visioning? I think, well, I'm sure there's something going on right now, right? We're only on version four of ChatGPT and apparently there's like seven more out there, right? So maybe it's already being ha done, Adam, you and I may not know, but I haven't seen anything like this yet and it doesn't scare me. I've always believed that you have to embrace what's coming. For example, a few years ago, I'm like, okay, we need to have AI tracking when people speak to give them just-in-time feedback on how they're coming across because why, why do I need to be there? Why do I need to do the spot coaching all the time? Same thing true with managers, same thing through with employees. And we have a lot of tools that are out there that haven't been fully embraced yet, but I know as a coach, as a trainer, as a pitch consultant in this business for 20 years, that you don't get behavior change if you give them the feedback too far after the moment. It doesn't work. You have a moment, you felt it, it just took place. And if I get that coaching and if I get that feedback right then and there, I'm going to change behavior. It's what you see in sports all the time. And actually sports has been doing this forever. It's like, did you see how you threw the ball? Did you see what you did in that moment? This is what you did. Do it again. Tennis, same thing. Look at your serve. Do it again. Do it right now. Do it better than you just did. And it's exactly the same thing inside of organizations. That is where we need to bring technology. I'm laughing because imagine, hey, do you remember how you threw the ball a week ago on Tuesday? <laughs> I, I think you should do better. There's a, there's a better way, right? That's great. Right. And that's what's happening inside companies. And it's not even a week, Adam. I wish it were a week. It's like it's happening every six months in a performance review, in a performance conversation. Hmm. And then you're sitting there going, well, how was I supposed to get better? So, so I'm going to try to bring us a little bit closer to the current state from all the way. Where else could we use AI? And, I'm, yeah. and I'm, I think a lot about starting point of what data is available to us and what could we do with that data, right? Because I talked to a lot of CMOs and uh, when I talk about marketing mindset and employee experience, almost all of them say the following. They're like, we don't have this kind of database on any customer. This is an insane database when we think about marketing internally. And when you say manager specifically and their relationship with employees, well, for example, you know, if a manager hasn't met with a certain person for a couple of weeks. They haven't sent them a Slack or a Microsoft Teams message, the Microsoft Teams, large organizations, you know that. You yeah. know someone coming in after being sick has 12 meetings on the first day. Talk mm -hmm. about organizational health, individual health. Jenna, what, what do you think about looking at the treasure trove of data to extract the opportunities for, ma for managers to, to change their behaviors to have the highest impact? Yes. And I know that you 
had this family situation happen and then you have 12 meetings on Monday and I actually don't have to be the one who sends the email mm. because I can use AI to send it. Whoa. Oh, like suggest or actually send it? Send it. Ooh. Email or Microsoft Teams message or, or Slack message? Yeah, I know. I, I mean, know. if we're going to go crazy, Adam, we can even say it's going to be a clip of my clone that sends you a Teams Slack message of me saying, hey, I bet you've had a hard week. Let's take a couple meetings off your calendar. Right? I mean, there's a lot of different ways we can do that, but you're right. The data is there. It's just not being used. It is not being used. And even if it could, managers are so busy that they have other priorities than to sit and count how many meetings you've had. I think I go to managers being prompted to send on their behalf is a little further that I'm comfortable with <laughs> at this point. So I'm kind of gently tapping out. I was like, ooh, you-, you You're like, I was in and now I'm out. I don't know. I like, yeah. Yes, and I, I know it takes it out. And I also know how overwhelmed managers are right now. I mean, they just can't, they cannot. And they keep getting more people. The ones who are really good keep getting more and more and more people. And you can't have that relationship. So how do you use technology to help you with that? I, I love that. What, what, what do you think about, I've been noticing and having these discussions no videos being turned on. No and videos. A lot of a lot of folks are meaning inside organizations, inside enterprises. Yeah, their videos are off. Yeah. they're all in the virtual environments. And mm -hmm. uh, do you think that that removes something from the connection that we as, as humans have, or or is video not as important as I think it is? It just has come up recently a number of times. What, mm. what's, your, what's your take? So a couple thoughts on that. One is, yes, when people turn their video off, there's a, they, first of all, I don't see you, so I don't feel like I'm talking to a human, so it's a lot harder for me. And it is a very one-dimensional environment. It is not three-dimensional. So it does trigger a little bit more of that fight-or-flight response biologically in all of us. So that's why so many humans have been drained in this virtual world that we're in because it's, there's just a lot of eyes on me. So I think, okay, I need to go kill these people or run away or freeze. And that's, that's what's happening to a lot of us. I think there are times when you should be allowed to turn your camera off. Mm -hmm. And then you turn it back on if you're being asked to do something and then you turn it off again, then you turn it back on because we do need a break. And I think coming back to walking and talking is not a bad idea. Like pick up your phone and get on the, Get on a call with someone. The thing you do have to know is that if people's cameras are off, they're not listening to you. I couldn't agree more. They're not. Just know that. Just, Just know absolutely that. know that. Yeah. They probably have another browser open. They're shopping. They're reading the news. They're talking to their kids. They're planning their days. Maybe they're working. They're doing something yeah. else until you say their name. And then there's going to be a little bit of a shuffle. Found my mute button. Yes, the, your last words were, hey, Adam, I heard that. Okay. Uh, so, so I'd like to take this debate, you know, you, you and I spoke about people process technology, not our yeah. debate. I'm going to throw you into a debate. So the, okay. the, the raging debate is who should own this thing? This thing, I mean, adoption of marketing mindset and employee experience. And we're talking about improving organizational health in our case. And, and mm -hmm. this is, I, I could argue, L&D. 
I could mm-hmm. argue leadership development. I could argue change management. I could argue broader HR. I could argue marketing may have a role to play in this. I've had hmm. folks argue CEO. This this should be an entirely new branch or a function responsible for this. I could also argue this is all about technology. And without technology enabling this at large scale, um, I mean, do we really think AI implementation is going to live in the short term in HR or it's going to live in technology teams? I'm going to pause because the number of candidates that has come up who would drive this at the senior level, my speculation is if, it, if we don't answer that question at the C level, we're not going to get sufficient level of resources and mind share in the organization to create the impact we want. And also the problem then isn't big, as big as we're saying it is. Because if it is this big, then we should have C-level. I mean, this is, should appear as one of their KPIs. How well are you doing in this? So mm-hmm. what, what, how would you, and if you need me to clarify, please, because this is, this is raging in almost every episode that I've done in the last three to four months, as we brought marketing to employees, the question has become who, who is going to own it? Yeah. When you said, let me pause here for a second. So I'm pausing. Who cares the most? It's a good question. And what, and when you think about where humans are going to matter the most inside an organization, I'm going to be kind of radical in saying this because I'm in a human centered profession. Like I'm all about the human Mm -hmm. and I bet most organizations are investing a lot of their money in technology and they're going to be pulling away from the human investment and putting more into technology. So then it's like, if I look across an organization and I see how much are we investing in human development, learning and development, HR, how much are we investing in technology? I see this technology thing coming up higher and higher and higher year after year. And then what are the humans needed for? And how do they interface with the technology? And how do they use that to grow the organization? And that's the part that's really scary to me, but also really important for us to address. When you think about marketing-centered mindset inside an organization is what is it that the humans are going to be most valuable for? Like, what is the thing that they're going to do? And it's innovation, it's creativity, it's connection, it's all those pieces. How much more valuable is that than the investment in technology? So spot on. I, I wonder. I just made conversation real because it's all about comp- competing resources for the dollars. And it's an ROI conversation. Right. You're putting in this much into your product improvement, your Google, and you're going to make your Gmail or your Google or you're going to launch your next big thing that much better then why would you put in the dollars into your human? I carefully use that word. Like I don't even want to say human resource, human capital, into your humans. I'm just going to park there. Yeah, let's just park it there. Yeah, into your humans. But then shouldn't we be able to make a case as a marketer does with customers saying, hey, look, my job is to bring in leads to sales teams. And um, I used to try to justify myself years ago by broadly speaking about the importance of marketing. 
I don't do that anymore. I am very much in the impressions business now, in click-through rates. Mm -hmm. I now understand the leading indicators that will eventually get us leads. So if I work at Coca-Cola, it's not about a belief in how to invest into communicating with our customers. It's data-driven. Mm-hmm. Are we going to enter the world soon where, hey, listen, for our organizational health, we've rolled out this campaign to our managers. And you know what? We've had uh, one million impressions of the importance of ABC. Mm-hmm. We know impressions lead to. So here is proof of our efficacy. I don't know. I'll pause there. Maybe I'm left the reservation. You talk. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, it goes back to this expression, which is quite popular in marketing as well. Garbage in, garbage out. Mm-hmm. Garbage in, garbage out. So what the, the humans are the ones who are going to be looking at the garbage and saying, is this garbage? Is this not garbage? And I'm putting all this garbage in. I'm going to get garbage out. And the customers, as sophisticated as they are, they're going to know it's garbage. And hopefully we get to this place where we are able to, you know, I, I kind of advocate for the speed of connection the speed of discernment and the speed of connection, it's going to get faster. The, bot, the robots are going to be faster. But right now, we get it faster. We get it faster. So that is going to become so important. And it's just a matter of how much we want to invest in that. How much are we going to make technology work for us? Or how much is technology going to take over? And I think that is the question that we have to think about inside you know, in terms of resources and where we spend our resources on humans or not. Love that. And, and yeah. all of you it's kind of scary is... too, though. Isn't it scary? I mean, 100%. I, I mean, as we're sitting here talking and I've always had this attitude of I'm going to be obsolete at some point, I'm going to be obsolete. <laughs> and you kind of have to think that way. Like at some point it's not going to be, but it's getting faster and faster and faster. So we have to, Lean in on the things that are so uniquely human and be very, very good at that. You asked me a question a while back, Adam, around like, what do leaders need to be focused on? And I said, they need to learn how to bring their different personas into work. Well, the other thing that we have to stay in more is curiosity. And I think we've lost the art of curiosity. We've lost the art of curiosity because we are so distracted and technology is not helping us. The old sitting on a porch with a lemonade and just simply being and And, engaging. And and still being on Instagram, obviously, of course. (laughs) You're so right. Right, right. Look at me drinking lemonade. I thought that's look at me drinking. By the way, look at me being curious. (laughs) Right. Look at me being curious. That's well put. I, I, however, how many times in the last week I'm fighting, I have three kids. My wife and I'm, we're, we're all fighting against technology. It's literally the fight against, hey, put it down, put it down, stop, and then, or you find yourself being caught up in it. But, but there's something that you just said that triggered a thought that I've, I haven't had before, which is, is, is it basically the technology pressure to replace us, augment us, pick your adjective, yep. is forcing us to really find what makes us most human because that's becoming most valuable. And then the HR or whomever is taking on this responsibility now would essentially, with more pressure from tech, be more pressured to guide us toward 
what makes us more human to unlock that to in a way the positive here is to unlock the human potential i my whole journey began with reading abraham lincoln or abraham maslow sorry maslow i, I went to abraham to maslow yeah. Yeah. Uh, hierarchy of needs and, and simon sinek start with why and i had an interview with him years ago but jenna does that does that make sense yes I'm yes. one of one of those. You got me into the my my flow, and now I'm like, take a take a breath, meditate for yeah. a second. Yeah. Well, yeah. looking at time, I could do this with you for hours. I wish we were on a porch with two lemonades, no technology, and just no. We'd have to. We Adam, we would have to be posting all it. We'd have to be posting every five minutes through the conversation. <laughs> Adam just asked me this post post. <laughs> For people to really care about it. otherwise it's just you and i and talking and having lemonade and nobody gets to see it they don't get experience it we're talking about marketing adam you got to market throughout the human moments live that's stream the it. thing live stream it <laughs> live stream it that's right so so before before i let you go this has been amazing amazing conversation I, i'd like for you to maybe share some advice so yeah. our audience are innovators who who see some of the things we see although some of them probably checked out about 20 minutes ago when i gave the warning about ai they see what we see they're leading change inside their organizations especially when it comes to marketing to to, to employees uh, what advice would you give them to i guess to deal with this crazy change that's taking place a lot of internal frictions changing priorities all of the stuff Stop, pause, take a big inhale, take a big exhale. Think about something or someone that brings you joy and then tap into the best version of you. I think in light of everything that's going on in the world, it's very easy to get wrapped up in, I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta innovate, I gotta, I gotta be everything for everyone. And you are not going to be successful doing that. You have to stop and say, what is going to be the best version of me? What is gonna be the best me to bring forward in this moment to be the biggest innovator, to be helping my organization thrive? If we had more of that and we stayed courageous in curiosity, I think that we would be able to pull technology in and really be successful inside our organizations. And this organizational health and the challenges that we have would not be as big a deal. But this is me from my, <laughs> me from my preaching box. Um, giving I, that idea. I could see a video of you arriving every other day inside inboxes or, or Microsoft Teams channels for <laughs> managers saying, stop, take a breath. I mean, that was perfect. I'm, I'm not going to say it again because you said it perfectly. Jenna, that, that was inspiring conversation today. I'm on behalf of, you know, the audience listening still with us. Uh, and, and for me, just thank you. Thank you for taking the time and, and for yeah. sharing your, your brilliance. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. Thanks, Adam. Until next time on the porch with Lemonade. You got Over and out.